Sunday Surefire Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Carmen. Got the co-host, the immortal Downtown Brown. What's going hey. on? It's going, man. It's going. You're alive. I am, I guess. Yeah, I made it. I made it through that that dreadful weekend. <laughs> I did a I did a couple wellness checks on you. <laughs> yeah, I was I mean I wasn't myself. I mean, I I think I can personally blame myself for the for the Chiefs losing over the last weekend. I didn't do all my superstitions superstitions. All my rituals and everything. Like I caught myself. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, oh wow. I'm like the reason why the Chiefs I, lost. I, I I've convinced myself I am the reason why they lost. Actually, you know <laughs> what? I, I did a little uh Sunday surefire math, Aaron. And I put I put two and two together and I realized last week episode you played I shot the sheriff but I didn't shoot the deputy. I know. And then you called <laughs> and I called Joe Burrow, Burrow as the, the deputy. deputy. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I did notice that. I'm like, oh no. So I you, even said it. You said it, you set the wheels in motion. We changed the universe all year long, and it's just another example of a universe change. <laughs> so I was thinking about that today, and I go, he doesn't even probably even realize that he did that. And then I, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to mention that when I talk to him today. So oh, yeah, I definitely, I thought, I thought back of all the, I have a lot of superstitions. <laughs> Everything I did, I definitely thought twice about all of the personal things I did to change the outcome of the game. And I, I definitely did think about that. <laughs> so I guess we'll get into the real quick, the, the told you so's from last week. And then we can kind of talk a little bit how the games went. Um, my biggest told you so from last week was Cooper cup. I mean, talk about big players showing up big time in big games, 11 catches, 142 yards and two touchdowns. He had a monster day. Yeah, yeah, Cooper Cup. I mean, he just kept delivering all year, um, you know, especially when you got two games to pick from. So, yeah, that's – I mean, you, got, you had to have him in your lineup because uh, last week's scores, um, you know, if you didn't notice on some of those, you know, big, you know, outcomes of the games, you had to – it was a tight window. You know, you had to be pretty on point to actually make money last week. You know, not that many games going on. Um, for me, I did have uh, – I called Hill and Kelsey – uh, that tandem together, although the Chiefs lost, they were the top, you know, aside from Cup, they were the, they were two and three from last week in scoring. So that actually worked. Yeah, those are good calls. Those were good calls. I mean, I, the, I, I think most people thought the Bengals-Chiefs game was going to be the high-scoring game, right? And, uh, <clears throat> and that the Rams-Niners game was going to be the low-scoring affair. So... You weren't wrong in choosing anyone in that Chiefs uh, Bengals game, but I mean we can get into that a little bit if we want to kick it off with that game first, uh, just to reopen your wounds, and then we'll get, <laughs> we'll get yeah. out of it. But I mean, a couple things that um, a couple good points I heard. Right, so one of them is that Patrick Mahomes is a victim of his own athleticism, and at first when I heard that take, I was kind of like. Well, I'm not quite sure what they mean by that. But then when I heard it, they further, you know, explained it. It makes a lot of sense. So he does a lot of these um, what we call schoolyard football plays, right, where he's 
where he's running around and trying to extend the play, extend the play, extend the play. And that's like his biggest asset, but it's also one of his biggest detriments is because he took some t- bad sacks at the end of that game that he shouldn't have. And uh, I think that that's one, that's, that's the one thing that kind of stuck out to me a little bit was that I think his athleticism is his greatest attribute, but can also be his biggest weakness too. If, if you get my point. Yeah. I mean, it definitely wasn't, wasn't pretty watching some of those plays. I mean, at the same time, one of those exact same plays where he's running around is, the one that he, you know, he, he scored on uh, to Hill. Um, you know, I've done, I think after that game, <laughs> I think I told you I needed like about 45 minutes of just like silence, <laughs> right? To like, let me collect my thoughts and whatnot. But I have, you know, a wise man once told me um, that, you know, the outcome of a game doesn't come down to one play. And uh, you actually told me that. <laughs> so, you know, going with that, going kind of with that thinking, um, I have kind of, I guess, narrowed the game down to four plays. I think four plays total that changed the outcome of the game. So not just one, but four. Um, and to be fair, I'm going, you know, like Chiefs fans are saying, hey, Chiefs lost the game themselves, right? Like they had it one and a half time um, and then just kind of lost it in the second half. Bengals fans are saying, no, hey, we got Joe Cool, you know, Joe Burrow, he kind of led us back for the victory. So um, I actually picked two plays for the Chiefs and two plays for the Bengals that I think led to the outcome of the game. Uh, for the Chiefs, I think, you know, if you, you know, the, how the whole game went, I think if you narrow it down to just two things, they had first and goal twice in that game, once before halftime and once at the end of the game, at the two of the most crucial parts of the game, and they didn't convert. Um, you know, I think a couple things on the first the first time and right before half, you know, we, we talked about it too. Is like, that's a mental error with Mahomes. Like I actually don't, I'm not really against them for going for it instead of the field goal, but the play call was horrible. Like how many times have you seen Brady just throw it through the end zone, you know, or through the uprights instead of, you know, trying to force something. So that's something that I think, you know, although Mahomes is a great, obviously he's got all the skill in the world, but, with experience, he's going to learn that e- even better. And obviously now he, he had to learn the hard way and one of the biggest games he's ever played in. Um, that yeah, you just throw it out the end zone. If, if there's nothing there, you don't, you don't like almost lateral it and run out of time before half. And then the other one is just like the other first and five at the end of the game. Um, I, you know, I, I, I sort of think that's kind of on, on read in a way too, because you got first and goal and everybody started thinking, Hey, like, Bengals going to let him score and this and that. And, hey, how much time are you going to leave Burrow? But, I mean, hey, I think we've kind of overdone the thinking in today's NFL at some times where, like, you got to kind of take it old school and just just score, you know, be up uh, where a field goal won't win the game. Don't even worry about time at that point. Just try to focus on scoring. and Don't get too cute with time because you never – if you leave it to third or fourth down, then look what happened, right? So – I think for the Chiefs, those are the two biggest parts of the game that, that lost it for him. I mean, there's a lot of other aspects, but I'm, I'm narrowing it down to those two. And for the Bengals, I think the two that I got are the two um, third and longs that Burrow ran. You know, the Chiefs had him dead to rights. It was like, I think, third and 14. And Chris Jones actually had <laughs> Burrow 
but with two arms on his shoulders and he broke that tackle. So I think the fight of Burrow on those two plays definitely changed the outcome there because, like I said, it was third and long and they they had him in the backfield on both of those plays. Um, so those are the four four plays I've kind of narrowed down the whole game to the, that, that Chiefs loss. <laughs> yeah, I, one thing I'll, I'll say this and we'll get off the game because I, I know it's giving you a migraine probably. Um, Joe Burrow... If you didn't know that he was cool, calm, collected, and had a whole bunch of swagger by now, you should know that. Um, the guy lost his start and tight end in the first series of the game, practically, right? And what I, what I a great, a, I forget who it was on the NFL Network said, now could you imagine if Mahomes had lost Kelsey? in the first series of the game, it wouldn't even be a game. <laughs> they would have been, they would have got killed because Kelsey was probably the only thing keeping them in that game for a good portion of that game. But uh, Joe, one thing that just stuck out is that Joe Burrow is just so cool, calm and collected. And he just keeps making plays. And I think Ryan Clark said it best. Like I said earlier, well, I think last week I mentioned it was the Bengals teams so young, they don't know any better. They're just going out and playing football and having fun. That's what they're doing. And it seems to be working for them. So kudos to them. They're on their way to the Super Bowl. Yeah. No, I mean, you definitely got to, you know, obviously, you know, it is nice to see it an underdog story. But, yeah, for two fans, obviously, that's not the way you want to see it. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's cool to see the Bengals make it. Just one of those it's it's one of those years where you know yeah actually we can get into the next game but yeah if the Niners were the one it's like a true just underdog year you know so um yeah I mean it's it's uh I I know Burrow talks about not wanting to be called underdogs but truth of the matter is they 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 truly are it's not like they're an overpowering team all year they they showed a lot of fight um which they've shown they can beat obviously the best best teams in the NFL and that's that's what you need to do come playoff time and come. Super Bowl, which many Super Bowl team winners have have proven that over the years, right? You just gotta you gotta have what it what it takes to win against the elite team. So they have that. So and the improve and the big improvement on the offensive line from one week to the next. I mean, that was kind of impressive. They went from nine sacks to I don't know how many sacks the Chiefs got, but they, it wasn't that many. Yeah, it's like one. Honestly, yeah. I think it was only like one sack. So, but then like Burrow like fought his way out of like two, two. So it's just a lot of fight, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll get on to that. We'll get off of that one. I know you probably get. <laughs> yeah, you could you could kick off the the Niners Rams game because I I'm, I got to be honest, like I didn't watch probably the first like hour of that game because I just had like I said I had to like be tucked away for a little while so. <laughs> You could kick off the Rams Niners game. All right. So I, I don't know if you remember, but what, what did I tell you about this game in particular? And what did I say was the one thing that I was not confident in going into this game? Uh, Jimmy G, right? Jimmy G. I said for two weeks in a row, he's made bonehead plays and eventually it's going to cost him. Right. Go, he, he made several in this game. He got away with two of them where Pat Ramsey had one in his hands and dropped right. it. But at the end of the game, what does he do? He's about to get sacked, and he throws the ball 
up over the back of his head. So Garoppolo basically he did what I expected him to do. I mean, he 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 had been living on the edge the last two weeks. He'd been making throws across. He threw another one across the field, which was almost picked off. So everyone gives him credit for winning, but I also think that he gets away with some bonehead plays. And I said going into this game, the Rams defense isn't that defense where you want to try to play around with. Mm-hmm. And as as good as the Niners looked early, I still didn't trust Garoppolo in a close game. And it, that ended up being, I think, the deciding factor was game was on the line and Jimmy G coughed the ball up. And here's the other part of that. The caveat to that is this. The Rams' defensive line, if you know, if they know that you have to pass on them, you're, you're in big trouble. You're oh, yeah. in big trouble. <laughs> because if they can pin their ears back, you are done. Because you, yeah. you can't block Ron Miller and Aaron Donald. You can't double them both. That's not happening. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, when they – and they got you dead to right, so you got to like a fourth. I mean, it also showed at the end of the game when it was what fourth and two, and Shanahan didn't have the faith in going for it yeah. there, and they punted right. So that just shows one, he probably knew the analytics of it against the Rams and what he was facing, and two, yeah, like he's probably the same thinking too. Like he doesn't trust Grapple. I mean, if you have if you have Mahomes or Allen or somebody, you probably go for that fourth and two, right? Yeah, I agree. You probably do. You probably do. Um, I mean, the sad thing is it was ended up being the right call, though, because um, they helped. It's funny that that long, deep ball that Stafford threw went right through that Niners. I mean, did go through that Niners uh, hands there that that could have ended the game. Niners could have won the Super Bowl in that play. But like you said, games don't, you know, not deciding on one play, but. That was a huge, you know, you, you group that into a series of a few plays. That's huge. Yeah, I can't take credit for that. That was Bill Belichick. The great, the great Bill Belichick said it in a press conference. I forget, I forget they had just lost to somebody in a close game, and I forget, I, I, I think it was, if I remember correctly, they had just lost to the Colts in the playoffs on that fourth and two where they threw the screen pass to Kevin Falk and he got tackled short of the line to gain. And then the Colts took over the, on the, had the ball and they just ran the clock out. Um, and I, I think that was that exact press conference where they asked him, does that play not converting there? Does that decide the game? And Belichick said, an outcome of a football game is not determined on one play. There's several plays that lead to, how the final score ends. He said, yeah, sure. Some plays seem to be bigger than others, but one singular play does not determine the outcome. There's several plays that lend to that outcome. Right. So, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I kind of, I agree and disagree with it in different points of view. Like as a coach saying that you got to protect your players for one is like, you don't want to blame it on like one player on one play on, you know, one specific thing. So, yes, like the coach does need to take the heat. And at the end of the day, he's right in that respect. Um, If it's like a call, like a decision or a strategy, one play, um, 
I think you blame the coach, though, like, for instance, like, you know, even taking back on that, that Mahomes play that I'm talking about, where it could been, could have been on Reed that says, hey, it could have been a quick thing that says, hey, nothing's there, throw it through the end zone, right? Like, it's on the player side, I agree with, yeah, don't blame it all on one play because of the players, but I think coaches should take the heat on a, on a bonehead call um side of it but i do I, I i see both sides of it yeah i mean i i think yes and no because i still don't think that one bad call determines the outcome of the game i for example like um yes that fourth and goal where mahomes that was mahomes who made that call not andy Reid. yeah you're right yeah mahomes said i want to go for it and andy Reid said okay so yeah. Andy, Andy Reid's he's a player's coach, right? And yeah. he even said, I like to like my players feel like they have skin in the game. Right. Where, hey, you you make the call, you own up to it, right? Right. So Mahomes made that call and they didn't convert. Yeah. Now someone might say, Oh, that's the that's the play that determined that game. Well, I, I might say, Well, how about the second half where Mahomes is running for his life? on several plays where he's getting sacked and he's getting hit. Don't those have just as much of an effect as that one play? Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of why I always say that is like people gravitate to the one play because it's easy to point out, but you know, how about the three punch you had to do in the second half? Those don't count. Cause yeah. You know, that's yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, that that's, I mean, that's one thing I wasn't going to talk about, but yeah, it's just like, one thing with the read is they get comfortable with just two, three scores ahead where like yeah. you see Bill check where he's learned on that too. Like keep stomping down, you know, like rip their throats out, you know, like keep scoring. I don't know. You know, he gets very conservative very quickly um, with the lead. And that's, that's one negative thing I have to say about Reed and the, in the play calling. Cause that's part of the reason why that happened. If they would have just kept the foot on the gas, I, I don't think, the the game would even turn like that. Yeah, I think I think there's a you know you can point to several things you know and and it's in the one thing in that the Bengals DNA you know, or their makeup is they got no quit in them. I mean, if Week 17 didn't teach the Chiefs that, I don't know what would have because they were down 17 in that game too. So right. You would think the Chiefs would have learned their lesson, but uh, apparently they did not. But right. we, won't keep, we won't keep beating up on that one. But the Niners-Rams game, I, the guy I felt bad for in that whole scenario was Debo Samuel because this is a guy <laughs> who has put it all on the line. I mean, you, he's playing running back, wide receiver. They're putting him in the slot. I mean, they, they're using him any way they can. And there's someone who is probably mentally and physically exhausted, and they just came up short. Yeah. And, uh, you could see the emotions on the sideline with him. You know, I kind of felt bad for Debo there. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I mean, I there's a lot, I mean, on him and um, – I mean, and Jimmy G. I know we, we kind of hard on him. A lot of people are hard on him. But, like, when you got, like, Trey Lance breathing down your throat – all year and you saw what they did in the draft and you got that heat on you. And then, um, you know, you're playing through an injury playing through like, you know, he 
talked about it that like yeah he he's even surprised like he could even play through that uh, you know after the pain and whatnot with the thumb and on your throwing hand on your thumb like that shows a lot of fight I mean I think he's at least he's got enough on his resume that says I think there's some teams out there that's going to want him next year um unfortunately it's probably not the Niners yeah uh so Jimmy G uh a lot of people are speculating he's going to end up in the Cleveland Browns because I think most people think that the Browns are moving on from Baker, right? So that wouldn't be a bad landing spot for him. They like to run the football similar to what the Niners do. They're one of the better running teams in the league. He's just got a game manager over there. He's got Jarvis Landry. He's got not nearly the athletic weapons, you know, like an Ayuk or Debo, but – they've got a more pound you in the ground type of running game. So yeah, I actually think that would be a good, a, a good landing spot for him. If not, the only problem is you're going into a division that is who, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough place to all those D all the, the Bengals defense is up and coming, right? Not a lot of superstars on there, but they keep on making plays, right? And you would assume they're going to address more there defense in the draft right and the Steelers have always been a good defense and that's not going to change and the Baltimore Ravens are a good defense as well so it's it's a tough division but it's not a bad spot for him because it's an offense that lends to his skill set run the football predominantly and uh, play that game management style if that makes sense yeah no I I agree with you there's probably a couple landing spots, you know, for him that could work out. I mean, even, you know, even, even Denver comes to mind if they can't land, you know, some of the big name QBs they're talking about this year and whatnot. But um, yeah, I mean, anywhere with a good, uh, a good defense um, is probably his, his area of ex- you know, that that's yeah, where he ex- excels at running game and a defense. That's where he needs to be. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So do you want to get into uh, pick sixes and, and what we're going to do this week since it's the week before the Super Bowl? Yeah. So this is our, what are we calling this? This is like our elite, you know, this is our pick sixes of the year. Yeah. Pick sixes of the year. We're going to, we're going to give our listeners uh, a little peek behind the curtain of some of the great calls we made this year with pick sixes. And uh, Aaron, you want to kick it off? Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll kick it off here. So, um, week one, way back, first show, you know. Also, you know, we haven't haven't seen anybody in in the in the year. Um, you know, I called out Corey Davis. He was only like three thousand that week. He scored like twenty seven points. Um, in those first four weeks, he scored over twenty points. So, like, he definitely was like up and coming. I mean, he was a big free agent signing of the year, but you, you really had no clue what him and Wilson were going to do, especially with, like, Crowder and, um, you know, Elijah Moore and, and people like that. Um, so, you know, I, I, I had Corey Davis where, like, you know, week one's always tough because you don't have any stats to go off of, and, you you know, you're, you're trying to find those value guys. Um, unfortunately, what happened in the year is that uh, Davis got hurt, right? So then he, he didn't play for half the year. So, I mean, he started off strong how hard it is on a week one. I think that was a pretty good solid pick. Oh yeah. Yeah. Week one's difficult to figure that stuff out and getting 27 points out of him. Week one was, 
was uh was a great day. And I think Marvin Jones was another one you called, and I think he hit too, actually. Yeah, yeah Marvin Jones hit too, yep. So uh yeah, week one you I think you were uh, the pick six master. Um and uh anytime you can get guys cheap early, that's gonna that's that's gonna work out for you. So uh, my strategy uh when uh, when I'm talking my pick six guys I'm not going to go for the singular uh, great week weekly performances. I'm going to go with guys that I called out who ended up surprising people and having big fantasy years, right? These are guys that I called out as pick sixes. Yeah, they had big weeks when I called them out. But then if you look at the accumulative of how they did throughout the year, they might have won some people some fantasy uh, championships. So my, my number one I'm going to go with is Cordell Patterson. Here's a guy that no one saw coming. No one. And he ended up, Aaron, at the end of the year being 12th at the running back position in standard leagues and ninth in PPR. Yeah. Cordero, I mean, that was a huge call. You called it at the perfect week where he broke out. I think, I want to say he had like, what was it, like 27, 30 points or something like that. Um, he had a huge week um, and he was super cheap. You know, I kind of hated it because I had uh, Mike Davis. Um, so, you know, I was kind of rooted against it. But, yeah, no, he definitely broke out. Um, definitely, definitely was a good call there. For me here, my my second pick of the year, um, I'm kind of going to, to Turkey Day. Um, and if you don't mind, I guess I'll just say two because it was both my – I had two pick sixes on, on back in the Thanksgiving game days. So I had uh, 3,500. I had Cedric Wilson. He ended up scoring uh, 21 points that game. But then also, you know, kind of go on your, you know, what you're saying for the year. He went 45 catches for over 600 yards. He was um, wide receiver 44 in the entire year. So, you know, not only did he take advantage of Gallup being out, you know, he, he's kind of using that to, hey, saying, hey, I can be that, that slot wide receiver for Cowboys next year. And he, um, he was right above Cortland Sutton, who is a white who started the year as wide receiver one for the Broncos. Um, I I know Sutton didn't have like, you know, he obviously didn't have a great year, but as a number one wide receiver, a third guy, you know, finishing ahead of a number one, um, I think it was a good good call out there for uh, Cedric Cedric Wilson. And then my number two, the same, you know, that same week, I had Hunter Renfro. Uh, for 5,600, he had uh, like 25 points that Turkey Day weekend. Um, he ended up being wide receiver 14, and uh, he was right up there with DK Metcalf. So if you think of DK Metcalf, and then you say Hunter Renfro, I mean, who would have thought that preseason as well? He ended the year with 103 catches and over 1,000 yards. So huge year for Henry, uh, Renfro, and he kind of started blowing up that week was, you know, the week that Waller, you know, got injured and he kind of just kept, kept it, you know, going from there being pretty consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Wilson, Wilson showed you those flashes throughout the year. Like he, he could be more than what he is. I just think he's a victim of being in Dallas, right? Like maybe if he was in another offense, you know, maybe if it was like, I'll say it like the New England Patriots, right? That guy, yeah. he might end up, he might end up being a thousand yard receiver. It's just he happens to be on a team that has Amari Cooper, C D Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott. Um 
and, you know, a lot of weapons that they've got to, they've got to divide the pie up to. Right. Um, and then Renfro, he was always kind of like that great underneath guy. Right. But then he kind of set up, he kind of like took it to another level, especially when Waller went down. Cause we all know Waller is, you know, cars binky. So he, once Renfro came, once, once Waller went down, you kind of knew that the Renfro train was coming in hot. Right. So now I didn't think he was going to be up there with TK Metcalf. That's kind of, that that's kind of crazy, but uh, I think it's impressive though. Uh, what, what, what he was able to do for sure. Um, Renfro had a great year. So it was a good call by you and a big time call. Um, so my, my second guy, uh, that I want to call out. And this is a guy I used on several lineups this this year as a pick six guy. And um is Mike Kosecki, tight end uh Dolphins, right? In standard, he finished eleventh, and then in PPR, he finished ninth. And a lot of people were iffy on him given we wouldn't we weren't sure how well the offense was gonna be with Tua. But if anything, Gasecki was the most consistent guy in Miami, I think. Yeah, no, I like, I like Gasecki. I mean, he was definitely, he's kind of like that go-to guy where if he didn't that week in your lineup, if you didn't want to spend too much on like Waller, or Kelsey or Kettle or somebody like that, he's like the piddle or perfect, <laughs> perfect middle of the road, uh, tight end that could, you know, have that huge week as well. So yeah, very consistent. Solid numbers in your lineup. Um, you know, he, he's a big point of um, Tua's looks and targets. You know, look, look at the crazy amount of targets he gets week in, week out. So, yeah, he's that perfect, um, you know, price for what you get type of tight end. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Gasecki, he was one I called out several times. And then uh, my last guy that I called out, and he, I mean, he just blew up at the second half of the year is – Armand St. Brown. He finished the year at 23 in standard and 21 in PPR. I mean, and mind you, he's a rookie on the Lions. And he came up, he ends up a top 20 wide out. <laughs> he, yeah. And I called him, I mean, I called his number a couple times toward the end of the year, but it got hard to use him as a pick six because he was on, he was on such fire that his price point went skyrocketing in draft games. Yeah. Yeah, he was one that, you know, we I mean, I know we had him in our in our league that we we share and we you know, we I think we drafted him over Rondell Moore this year, but we kind of waited a little bit to you know, wait for his breakouts, but as soon as they, you know, he started getting, you know, accustomed to the offense and and whatnot, he just showed, you know, what his big play um abilities. And he honestly like his plays, highlights in college and what he started showing this year reminds me a lot like of the uh, Antonio Brown of old, like he's, you know, he, he plays like, I mean, he, he just really reminds me of Antonio Brown. I mean, and it looks like he can make those big plays like him. Now here's the real question is, do we think those guys are going to be pick six guys going into next year? Yeah, no, that that's a good point. Um, you want to, you want to go through each one real quick and answer. So I had Corey Davis um, pick six. Next year, he's yes and no. I think he's gonna. 
obviously since he got hurt this year, I don't think he starts off too expensive, but he does have those breakout games. So it's kind of like your Amon St. Brown, in my opinion, maybe early season play him here and there. If you got the right matchup, um, we'll definitely keep an eye on him. But you know, if Zach Wilson does a little bit better and you know, he's starting with Corey Davis all the time, obviously that price is going to start jacking up. So I think he's like a half, you know, maybe a third of the year pick six guy. And then he might be, Guys that we don't really talk about that much, that they're not so much bullish buys, but they're not also, you know, as cheap as pick six guys. Yeah, like an I honorable think, mention, I think. I think Corey Davis's pick six value is going to be directly linked to how well Elijah Moore plays. Yeah. If that makes sense. Because Moore came on like a bat out of hell towards the end of the year. Right. So if more comes out guns blazing, then you might be able to get Corey Davis on some of those sneaky weeks, but you're going to have to play it careful with the jets and their matchups. Right. Yeah. So, so he could, like, I think I kind of agree with you there. He could have some pick six weeks where he's going to be a good value play, but you got to be careful with it, with him. Yep. Uh, number two, I had, so I guess would you want to just do mine and then do yours. Yeah, sure, sure. So Cedric Wilson, I think he'll stay being a pick six guy, honestly. I mean, I think you said it, that there's too many heads to, you know, mouths to feed in, in Dallas, and uh, it just depends on the week. You know, if there's an injury or, you know, if Lamb gets hurt or somebody, it's like the perfect week. Um, you know, just the right the right situation comes up. I don't see him being, you know, turning out of a pick six guy next year, but he's definitely a guy to keep remembering um, next year. Yeah. Um I yeah, I'm not um I'm not so sure where that one goes. <laughs> to be honest. I don't um I think he's right in the middle. I think he's right in the middle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it it does depend if he's, you know, he might turn into more being like the Cole Beasley of the Bills, right? Cuz he started hovering around like the 5,000 range if he really starts getting in the offense then yeah he kind of turns out of the he's like starts being like the upper end pick six but um i'm gonna i'm gonna say he stays hovering around that you know three under five thousand next year yeah yeah i think so too i think that's not a bad call yeah uh renfro i think he's i think he's out of the pick <laughs> i think he's definitely out of pick six i mean if we're comparing him to dk metcalf he's gonna start being the Honorable mention type of price, and then even maybe sometimes bullish buy type of guy, especially with Josh McDaniels now as the is going to be the coach. You know, he what what did he love in uh in New England? Oh he God, loved, yeah, <laughs> he loved guys exactly like Renfro. I mean, he, he might get hundred. He might get one hundred fifty receptions. Oh yeah, he might turn actually and he might upgrade two spots in a bullish buy territory. Yeah, he might be a uh, Welker. Yeah. Uh, 2.0. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Renfro's out of the pick six mix for sure. Yep. All right. So, uh, um, next year. So, here we go. Cordrell Patterson. I'm going to say yes and no. And I'll, I'll preface that with this. If the Falcons draft a running back, then I'm going to say no. If they don't draft a running back – and they still stick with him and, and Mike Davis, then I will say yes because of the PPR value with him. 
Yeah, I almost thinking about it. I almost say the opposite in a way because, for instance, if they do draft a uh, running back, he may drop in price, turning him into more of a value guy. Saying, "All right, we might get some PPR here and there if he's not the main guy next year." So I'd almost like say the exact same thing, but almost in reverse, like saying, "Like, all right, well, if they keep him, then he may be rising in price." So yeah, I'd almost so. say I'd almost maybe say the opposite of that. Well, what if they keep him but they draft a running back? Yeah, that would. I mean, that would suck. I mean, then he. I think he stays pick six territory because that's then, what I'm saying. That's what yeah. I. That's what I said. Yes and no. I said my if they draft a running back early, then I would say that Patterson's value as a pick six would still be there because of depending on the type of running back they draft, he may still be that third down receiving back. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I guess we're saying the same thing. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So then my number two was uh, uh, Gusecki and I'm going to go ahead and say, no, <laughs> two years in a row. Right. It's two years in a row in the top 10 at, at, at uh, tight end. I think now, at what point does DraftKings and us somebody pay, <laughs> pay attention and stop putting him so damn cheap? Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think – I agree. I agree. I mean, I think he will start being 5,000-plus every week, and that's getting to be the sort of the expensive range on tight ends there. So tight ends I agree not with named, you. Not named Waller or, or Kelsey. Exactly. Right. So I yeah, I think he's out of the pick six territory next year too. I agree with you. Especially with Tua. Yeah. Dude, we, there was there was weeks where I got him for like forty one hundred. Right. And I was like, huh? I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. But right. All right. So then finally Armand St. Brown. I'm gonna go ahead and say he's he's definitely out of the pick six category because A he's still gonna be on the Lions. B, they're still going to be playing from behind. <laughs> and C, he's still going to be the number one weapon. Yeah. Yeah, and, and another thing is rook, uh, year two wide receivers historically like always do better than their rookie year, which is a scary thing, saying like Chase is going to have a better year than he did this year. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, with St. Brown – I agree with you. I mean, he's going to be the the top target. The one thing to look out for is he may drop a little bit because, like, Hawkinson went in on IR, so he did just have, like, by default, have to get a lot of targets. So I wouldn't overpay on, on him unless, eh, I guess we'll see. I mean, we'll definitely see as the year starts again. But I would definitely watch out when they got, a, like, Hawkinson back healthy and, and, and whatnot. But he's already proven himself that he's going to be a – Big time players. I, I like him. I'm I'm rooting for him. So I'm gonna end up agreeing with you with he's out of the pick six. Yeah, territory. I just don't think I think I just think when we talk pick sixes, we're saying under five thousand. I don't yeah. think there's gonna be I don't think it's gonna be a lot of weeks where I'm on St. Brown's gonna be under five thousand. Yeah, probably he probably I'm gonna say he's hovering around that honorable mention gray area that we usually don't cover yeah. as much where he, he might not be as high as like a bullish buy price, but not as yeah. cheap as a pick six. That's he that's might be like saying. in that fifty eight hundred range. Yeah, you know. But all right. So before we close this one up, 
a couple things we wanted to get to. Um, what's your number one storyline going into the Super Bowl? We're going to get into the Super Bowl picks next week, right? We'll do a captain's game, and we'll get into that next week. But while we got this open week here, Aaron Brown, give me your 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 Super Bowl line, or what's 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 going to be the buzz going into the Super Bowl? Yeah, so like. This is called Media Week, you know, for everyone who doesn't already know that already. So it's Media Week because there's like a million interviews. And, you know, historically, you know, he had that famous interview with Marshawn Lynch. Uh, You know, he's like, I'm just here so I won't get fined. So um, (laughs) one of the things that may come out, I'm thinking, is, uh, you know, you know, they're going to interview Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey. And it's going to be like, all right, what's what's something stupid he's going to say or what's something he's going to do to, like, rev up the media? with his matchup against chase in the super bowl and he's going to make it fun. He's not going to back down. He, he's the one who called Tyreek Hill, a, a special teams player and not a real wide receiver. So he'll, he'll definitely say something and do some trash talking. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to Ramsey, what he's going to say. Yeah, I agree with you. <clears throat> so my, my, uh, I guess my media week talk of the town is going to be OBJ. Odell Beckham Jr. and how he's kind of done a 180. I know it's not popular, but since coming to the Rams, has he done anything stupid? Has he acted a fool at all? Has has he has it been a negative line about him in the press once? No. <laughs> if anything, he showed you a ton of maturity after that game where he went and consoled Debo Samuel on the sidelines. So I kind of think he's going to be the media talk on how he was able to turn it around and kind of rejuvenate his career since coming to the ramps. I like that. I definitely like that, that take. I mean, it's true. I mean, I think we talked about it earlier too. Like he's, I think he's just happy. I mean, he's probably just personally happy and he, he wanted to go get a Super Bowl, or, you know, obviously that's what he, what he said and that's what's going on. But um, yeah, no, I, I agree. He's definitely redoing his, his, uh, his image. And I, and I know someone who got him for pennies on the dollar in a dining <laughs> room. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Wonder, <laughs> wonder who that is. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. It's funny. I mean, I got him so cheap, but it's turning out that like, he's going to be a free agent now. So yeah. we'll see. I kind of hope he stays with the Rams because it'll be fun to watch that offense with Woods, Cup, and OBJ. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Um, yeah, they'll just have to keep juggling those salary, the already huge salary team they got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, We'll true. really see comes uh, free agency time, like if he's truly got that humbleness in him, if he'll take a, a humble contract or not. It all depends on if they win or not. Yeah, That's I agree. I, I agree. You know, true. I always feel like if the guy won the ring, then he's gonna go get paid. If he yeah. doesn't, if he doesn't get the ring, he's gonna he'll take the cut to stay on a team that he's got a chance to get a ring. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? I agree. Um. All right. So, a co- oh, couple other things, real quick. We have got a debate, Brown. We've going got a, down. We've got a debate going down this Saturday. It's gonna be on IG Live. And it's me and you, the Sunday Show Fire podcast, going up against uh, 
Hold on, I don't want to mess up this. The name is it? Uh, the Brickyard, right? Brickyard, Brickyard, podcast. Brickyard yeah. podcast, right? So uh, that we follow them, they follow us, um, and I kind of sparked a little bit of a debate. <laughs> <laughs> they made a, a comment that Tom Brady was the greatest, uh, to greatest player to ever do it in any sport, and so I respectfully disagreed with that and uh and i went ahead and said mj is so that turned into us going back and forth which now has turned into us having a live debate we're gonna have a live debate this saturday on ig uh we'll post it on the facebook page we'll post it in the ig i already i think i already did post it in the ig um so yeah aaron are you are you ready are you ready, I'm ready. to throw down? Oh, yeah, it's easy. I mean, I I can I can uh, throw shade on uh, on Brady all day, <laughs> so I'm rubber, definitely ready for that. <laughs> that will lift your spirits. That's gonna lift your spirits. Exactly, it will. Yep. And then we got an interview coming up, right? Uh, so keep posted on that, right, Aaron? We're gonna be doing a uh, an interview coming up. Yeah, we got another. We got an interview that's going to be coming up. We'll we'll definitely keep social media, um, you know, in the know on that what date exactly it's going to be on. It's uh, Spin Talk Radio. Um, so you know, for all you listeners, if you want to hear us live on that radio, we'll definitely send out that link and whatnot. So that that should be fun. Um, you know, fun little interview we're going to do on that as well. All right, you got anything else before we close this thing out? I guess uh, I guess I'm gonna have to say who day, <laughs> who day. That's right. We're going. We're going Bengals. I'm all. On, I told you. Remember, I said a couple weeks ago, Bengals are officially my second favorite team in the NFL. Yeah, so. I think they're right now America's team because it's like, like corp. You know, it's kind of like the underdog against like a big, you know, corporate. <laughs> we could probably like, you know, Rams is this big market and whatnot. So it's like a, kind of a perfect matchup in that respect. Yeah, we'll get into that next week. I don't want to talk about it at all, this matchup, because I want to yep. save that content for next week. Let's study up on our debate topics, because we have got ourselves a doozy this Saturday night. That's right. All right, talk to you later. Peace.